are you doing? Fantastic. Cool. It's good to see you. Good to be seen, man. Good to be seen. It's funny. I've been wanting, to, I've actually wanted to sit down and just talk about life with you. Yeah. At some point anyway, right? Yeah. And um, you have a lot of cool, exciting things going on. Yeah. You got some big dreams and aspirations, yeah. which I think is really cool. Um, and so I just want to learn a little bit more about you, right? So tell me, tell me a little bit about your background. Where'd you come from? Yeah, so I am uh, currently 24 years old. Nice. I grew up on the west side of Indianapolis, went to private school all through uh, high school, started going to college at the University of Evansville, which is, oh, you know, I down know in... That. Yeah. yeah, I went to USI. Oh, did you? Yep. No yeah, way. A hundred years ago, but yeah, <laughs> I went to I went to USI. It was it was great. Evansville was a lot of fun, right? Yeah, sure. It, I mean, listen, we could have been stuck in the middle of a cornfield in Indiana here, right? You know, we could have been. He could have gone. No offense, but we could have gone to Indiana State. There's True. Like, yeah. Evansville was a nice little small town. There was some things to do. It had a decent little bar scene. Like, it was okay. Yeah, it was, it was fine for what it needed to be, right? right? But it, it never went above and beyond what what it was right. right it is what it is and it was fantastic at that for those for those four years right it was fine yeah um you know but i only was there for about five months okay so i went there as a direct entry physical therapy student cool and you know there was a lot of life that happened in those five months and i realized then for the first time that I don't really do well in the school system. And you're, you're speaking my language, buddy. Yeah, man. And it was so frustrating because if I wasn't involved or like when I wasn't doing types of, you know, extracurriculars, when I wasn't in the acapella group or playing, you know, intramurals, which I was doing tons right. of intramurals, um, you know, I was in the library, I was studying and it almost became a running joke with my friends. Like, if there was a place to find me, it was in, in the, the library. library. Yeah. Awesome. And, but it was so frustrating because I never did well on any of my exams. Wow. So all of the hard work that my friends were seeing as I was studying and I was like, yeah, I know where all of this stuff is. I, I couldn't show that in my exams. So therefore my whole GPA, my whole experience was just had kind of a black mark all over it because it wasn't the, the work wasn't yielding the results you were right. Yeah. And to keep my direct entry spot, I had to maintain a, I think 3.25 cumulative Man. GPA into yeah. 3.0 science GPA. At the end of the first semester, I had a cumulative 2.8 GPA still solid in a lot of worlds still solid but not good enough right yeah 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 and I put so much pressure on myself and there's a lot that went into that um like you think you were too hard <laughs> on yourself I think I was putting my identity in something that wasn't myself right um I I have this amazing older sister that always knew what to do. She was one of the best, is one of the best people that I know to this day. Nice. Um, and I mean, she was, you know, the heart of Covenant. Uh, I went to Covenant Christian High School. And right on. 
and that award is given to one graduating senior oh, I, that yeah. shows their credo, which is minds enlightened, hearts inflamed, lives transformed the most. So that's an actual award that she yeah. took home, yeah. won, got yeah. recognized for. Yeah. And pretty cool. Absolutely. And she was also the head of student council, um, principal's list, you know, A on a roll. She was, you know, the shit. So that's a lot to follow, like, you know, to try and live up to. Yeah. Um, and and I, I always felt like I had to be her. And she went to the University of Evansville as a physical therapist. Okay. And was direct entry. And... When I got the call saying that I was admitted and I got the role, right, um, or the spot, yeah, I was so thrilled. You know, I, I was so excited and I felt like I was, I, I think I, pr I thought that I proved to myself and to my family and to the world that I was smart like my sister. Right which shouldn't have ever been my my you thought need to be process smart right? like andrew right and i didn't realize that right when i was growing up and and then in one semester man it i went from being semi healthy to being incredibly unhealthy uh mentally physically i i also have a few other you know dietary restrictions mm -hmm. that caused a lot of turmoil um, with either my friends or with planning and trying to adjust to a new environment already is tough. They just weren't okay with taking the time to eat where you need to eat, how you need to eat, like just focusing on that sort of thing became tough to work it into the kind of social schedule. Yeah. And, and I'm a pretty laid back guy. Yeah, for sure. So I I don't like saying, no, this is what I need. Right. At least a lot back then. I'm better at standing up for myself now, but back then at least, I really struggled. And I said, you know, I'll just bring my own thing if we're going out to eat and I'll just tag along. And so that way I wouldn't miss out on the social event. Right. And they could eat where they wanted to. But there's this social, there, there's a something incredibly communal about food and eating, right? Right, of course. That is so gorgeous. And when someone can't eat the same things that everyone else is eating, man, there's a natural block, even if it, yeah. a lot of people are immune to even noticing it. 100%. Yeah. Uh, well, and it, you would, you know, the folks that are really friends, really cool and down with you, you, you know, hopefully they see that sort of thing and they mix in a, you know, an Andrew friendly trip, meal, place, whatever it is, you know, you got to learn a little bit about, you know, I think about that a lot with my son, Ryder. Ryder's got a peanut allergy, which, yeah. you know, we've talked about a little bit in the past. And it, you yeah. know, it's something that even at seven, he's really cool with dealing with it. Um, but, you know, I think about him in the future, he's got to be careful. Like if all of a sudden the whole crew wants to go to five guys, there's peanuts all over the place in that joint. Yeah. He just can't go. Right. You know, but you know, you think right now you think it's easy cause 
he'll just work it out but it's not easy no because you can't always especially that one's a pretty it's not minor but it's it's something that you can work around in most restaurants yeah but you know stuff like what you're dealing with is not as easy to work around in most restaurants so you know you gotta hopefully you gotta come across some friends that are open to the idea of making sure that you get a solid every now and again and that you know that you're taken care of and and that just kind of goes back to the people you surround yourself with i guess right yeah 100 percent. and i think i did have some great people around me but i wasn't willing really to let them stand up for me right you know yeah and because i never wanted to be a burden i still don't yeah and so saying you know, I actually need this. That's tough for me to say. Mm-hmm. So, so I would almost intentionally disassociate myself with my friends because it was easier to not go than to have that block. Right. <clears throat> because I don't want to have the same conversations about why I can't eat the same things with them every single time or if we're out with a different group of friends and know feeling incredibly uncomfortable right so it was it was really rough and and now or so i i decided that with everything else that i was struggling with you know the the mental frustrations the you know the physical ailments that i was going through i with the the counsel of my sister and with the counsel of a lot of others, I made the decision to not go back to UE mm-hmm. after that first semester. And after that, man, it it started to get a lot better. Um, awesome. I was in a in a place that was a lot more accommodating and certainly helped me see that my strengths aren't dependent on my father, my mother, my sister, really what it came down to as a Christian personally is is who I am in God. And then, and as I grow closer to him, then I become more and more myself, right? For sure. Yeah. And, well, and do you think, sorry to interrupt. I mean, yeah. part of it, do you think you were trying really hard to blend in and be kind of what those folks were being and not be a burden and not be this when I I find that maybe just leaning into sometimes your weaknesses, sometimes just who you are as a person being okay to talk about that kind of stuff more Uh, like, you know, I, I, one of the things that I've found really interesting, um, you know, as my, my journey in social media here recently, I'm learning a lot more about it is like some of the folks that have some sort of a, a thing that they perceive as an issue publicly talking about it, publicly getting it out there, making that a good part of who you are, almost releases you to be yourself. 1,000%, yeah. I I was so ashamed Crazy. of my own depression mm-hmm. as I was starting to figure it out. And, you know, as, as a Christian dude, like, there's so much pressure on on knowing that God is in control. Mm -hmm. And in the Bible, it says, do not be anxious 365 times. Holy cow. Yeah. And 
which interesting number too, right? With the number of days in the year, don't be right. anxious every single day of the year. Right. It's a weird, you know, yeah. I'm a numbers guy. Yeah. I highly doubt that that was a coincidence, right? right. Um, it was so knowing that and then looking at where I was mentally, it just, it was like, but I'm not living in the way that God wants me to live. Mm -hmm. So it became even more just crushing. So I didn't want to admit the fact that I was struggling to anybody, which drove, drove in that isolation even more. Mm -hmm. So when I started admitting the fact that I was struggling and that I was depressed, man, it, it became not, just my problem anymore yeah we are as i said earlier communal beings so why should we keep our struggles to ourselves couldn't agree more and that's something that you know as i've thought about this in more depth our parents our grandparents our great-grandparents i mean that's just how the world especially for men right that's how the world has always been it's like listen you're a man you yeah. show up you do your job yep you take you take the burden your problems are the least problems out of anybody around you you know everybody else's problems come first and and your job is to show up and be a man and and handle your business right yeah nothing affects you nothing is a lot it's supposed to affect and if it does you know you're soft you're right you know whatever and uh, the reality is, is that men have issues too, you know? Right. And, and, uh, just like everybody else. And a lot of times talking about those, figuring them out, you know, and helping. And, it, and I think I've, we, we've touched on this in the past. Once you started to awaken from this, let's say you realized that your story, the things that you can say to people, you just understanding where a lot of other people are coming from with similar issues. Like even just the peanut issue with my son. Yeah. You're so understanding about it. That helps free up so many more people, so many other conversations and, and it helps free you up inside as well. 100%. Yeah. That's cool. That's amazing, man. Yeah. Uh, I love it. And, and now, um, you know, now we met because of the coffee shop, right? Yeah. And you were just somebody that, you know, every time you were in there, I was excited to see you because I knew we were going to have a good conversation. You yeah. know, you're always happy. You're always in a great mood. You always brighten my day a little bit, you Thanks, know, man. and for the, for the five minutes a day that I, and I always try and linger. I feel bad because there's probably today, like today I was down there and the, there was a line behind me and I'm like, Oh crap, I'm just shooting the <laughs> breeze here for a little while. Sorry guys, you guys come and get your coffee. I've had mine. Um, and so that's probably been pretty cool for you to just meet those, the people that come into the shop and create relationships and get to know folks that way. Yeah. There's something that I've been saying for years now is that the coffee shop is the daytime bar right, right right that the bar is a place that or at least over you know in alcohol there there's a type of conversation that allows for vulnerability mm -hmm. you know that that different food and different drinks provide different types of conversation i don't ever see myself having a very intense conversation over a Mountain Dew. <laughs> right. All right. Listen, I am a recovering Mountain Dew addict here. I had some intense conversations over Mountain Dew. Okay. All right. Well, I stand corrected. Yeah, there you go. Um, but it, I think part of it is in its branding, right? Yeah. Um, you know, Coca-Cola has branded itself as, you know, either the family drink or something you have 
at a movie theater right. or in front of the television. Whereas alcohol may that probably is one of it its downsides, its dark, you know, underbellies is people get well, the, their tongue gets loosened. Yeah. Oh, over. I know, man. I know better than anybody. Yeah. Yeah. And, but with that comes an ability to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And coffee, I think, has that same ability just without some of that same dark stuff. Right, right. And, and if I can encourage that type of community, that type of conversation and that ability to to encourage people to get to know each other better, to, to study, to, you know, to have fantastic dialogue and debate, um, at eight o'clock in the morning, why wouldn't I? Right. And if I can potentially even encourage that throughout the entire day, man, I, I'd be doing myself a disservice. Right. Um, cause my whole life motto is inspiring others to see the world bigger and, that truly has been, you know, the the driving point to a lot of my big decisions in my life and even the, the small ones. Mm-hmm. Um, truly, it comes down. Um, I, I started with that motto after I went to Europe for the first time. Very and cool. I saw just how massive the world was. I remember when I was in Paris that I felt like every single block had its own culture and the people who walked those streets were different from one another. I really didn't like Paris, <laughs> right? Okay. but <clears throat> primarily because I, I was with, you know, a group of 150 people and it's a little this, hard to do your own thing and yeah. see it the way you want to see it. Yeah. Um, and it, it was certainly tough, especially with some of the dietary stuff that I right. had to go through. I mean, we had our schedule and we had to stick to it. Mm-hmm. So, trying to fit my own little schedule and making sure that I ate into a schedule of 150 different people that was already preset, right? right. It was very difficult. Uh, there were times where we were running from where we had to go get lunch or, or you know, breakfast and trying to meet up with our, the rest of the group right. at the next thing. Yeah. I so, can see that being a hassle. Yeah. And Paris is notorious for being, you know, just crappy people. Right, right. So it was really, it was really challenging, but, you know, digression. So, but I did realize and I fell in love with how diverse the people were mm-hmm. and how little of it I knew. And, and if I can encourage others to see that the world is bigger than their own understanding and themselves then man that's that's huge and and you know the coffee shop gives you the opportunity as people come in to brighten their day a little bit inspire them a little bit which i know you've done with me and you know it's funny the the awakening that that you have sometimes when you realize in the grand scheme of things you know you're a speck of sand right one million percent and people a lot of times they get really stuck in just seeing all the other specks of sand around them and and just if you if you could lift your head up a little bit and try and look at the big picture um there's a beautiful ocean and a beach and palm trees and there's everything else out there and life's a lot about a lot more than just kind of like what we talked about before 
you know, the, the, the schooling system, getting great grades, you know, going to, um, go, buying a house, getting the white picket fence, getting a mortgage, following the rules, working yeah. your tail off, trading your time for money, um, until you retire and then sit around and wait till you croak. Right. Like, I mean, there's a, and especially, you know, as dudes, you're supposed to go and follow this, this path. And I think one of the things that's so neat about you and, and your life motto is you are um, inspiring people on a daily basis to try and see something a little bit bigger than just the, the mundane day-by-day thing that they're going, going through and to dream bigger. Um, and you have, you have a pretty big dream, right? I definitely want to hear about that. Um, uh, it's a, what was it? Coffee slash pizza uh, yeah. overseas. Like it's so I, it's, I think that dream alone, <clears throat> putting it out there, the goal that you have to do this and putting a little bit of effort into making that happen every mm-hmm. day. You know, you, you're a busy man, right? You, you've got your dietary restrictions that you got to deal with. You've got a, you've got a job, you've got a, a, a little bit of a side hustle and taking photos and, and making documentaries that you really enjoy. Um, but that dream is still out there and you spend time working on it. I think that's really inspiring that, that you don't just show up and work your nine to five and go home and party. Yeah. You, you don't go home and sleep or play video games or watch Netflix marathons or whatever, but it's always staying active, staying busy, staying on that grind because the time that you're putting in little bits of time that you're putting in now add up yeah. and it'll bring that dream closer. So when you're, you know, five years down the road, you're ready. You're, you, when the opportunity presents itself, you're ready. So I, yeah. I want to hear a little bit more about that. Cause I think from what I've heard, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Thanks. I mean, as I, as I've mentioned, you know, quite a few times already, just in these past few minutes, I, I love people. Right. And, and I love having deep intellectual conversation. And as I was traveling back in 2018 to all of those different countries, I spent a few days in England and from the moment I stepped off the plane and saw my first look at England, cool. yeah, which just happened to be a back parking lot of Heathrow Airport. <laughs> nice. That did it. I, I was like, this is, this is where I've wanted to be my entire life. You know, I was looking for home without knowing where it was. Mm-hmm. And then I I saw that and, and I was like, this is as close as I'm gonna find on this earth. And I think there's a you know, there's a deep calling for, you know, where we are meant to be and where where we are yeah. meant to be going. Yeah. And and I throughout those few days just have never felt more at peace and excited in my life than those three days. So I made it my goal to go back. Mm -hmm. So in 2019, I went back for over a week. Okay. Nice. And I went with a buddy of mine who, uh, his name is Nathan, Nathan Height. He is also a filmmaker. He's an actor living in LA now. And, you know, he's shout out Nathan, (laughs) shout out to Nathan. (laughs) Um, he's, you know, he's my brother, right? That's amazing. And he and I shared so many amazing experiences on that trip. You know, we, 
walked in Kensington Park and uh, met some amazing people, um, some of who he had already met at different film festivals who lived over there. And, and it was the most beautiful week probably of my entire life. And I, I came back and I was like, I got to be there. I got to. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't know how I was going to make it. As I started to look into the visa situation, especially now after Brexit, it's pretty difficult. There, there are quite a few different tiers. There's, uh, and, and different, you know, types of workers. Okay. There's, you know, the skilled worker visa. There's the entrepreneur visa. There's all of these different types. And I'm trying to figure out how I can get over there. And I start applying for jobs after, or probably around March of 2021, now that it's 2022. Right. And in these past 10 months, I've probably applied to over 200 positions. Wow. Well, what's a, just for my own <clears throat> understanding, what's an entrepreneur visa like? I mean, what stops you from saying that's what I do and I'm going to go start a business? Yeah, um, there are a few questions that I have to answer as well as have a certain amount of capital. Gotcha. And one of those questions is, why do you need to start the business here? What's like, what is the, the, the advantage of starting it in the UK rather than in America? or in the Ukraine or Because I'm happier here. Yeah, but unfortunately, I don't think that that's... That's not a checkbox? I don't think that's going to work I mean, for um, I mean, for we, those guys. But We need to get them on the program then. I know, right? We have to... We we'd certainly need to have a an economy more than just the financial economy. Right. Um, Interesting. And so I... So I'm starting to apply for positions that are you know, that would work for the skilled worker visa, right? So I'm in filmmaking. I I do photography, videography, social media management, website creation, all of this stuff, and I'm applying for positions in um, in you know digital studios or you know even being in-house marketing reps for hotels for different types right. of, of places and so far nothing uh, maybe 10% have gotten back to me and saying sorry we're not um, <clears throat> we're no longer taking your application into consideration bummer and the first you know, 10-15 times maybe I got that email it was like alright man you know like failure great cool right. um, and but then it started to get just a little discouraging. A maybe. little discouraging, yeah. yeah. You gotta keep the dream alive, though, man. I mean, you know, I feel that it's it's tricky. What about? Let me. I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Like, you pick a pick a time frame. You know, maybe it's the end of this year, or maybe it's six months, or whatever it is, and you uh, start DMing or messaging in the meantime people that have the job that you want over there. Yeah, and just tell them, Hey, I'm going to come over there and I'm willing to work for free. I'm willing to mm. be an intern. Uh, you know, I'm willing to figure this out. Um, 
And maybe that means that you go try and sling coffee in the off hours when you get there and it's a struggle for a while and you got to save some money. How does, you know, like if, if, if the ultimate happiness comes from getting there and starting your dream, does, what's that sound like as an option? I would love to be able to do that. And when I, when I was, I guess, a little more ignorant as to the visa structure, right? I, I was more than willing to say, you know, I'll, I'll hop on a plane and I'll, you know, work for Costa coffee, which is, you know, their Starbucks. Right. And, and I was more than willing to do that. And then as I started to look, especially after Brexit, they're like, yeah, we're no longer able to hire people just not in the skilled worker category. So they're no longer hiring people to be baristas from outside the country. Gotcha. And for every new position that I want to work for as an expat, I have to get another visa certification, I see. which sucks. Right. Cause that's money out of my pocket to apply for that visa. That's money out of all of these different companies pockets. So unfortunately it just isn't much of an option. So I started mm. thinking, well, if I'm not getting the results that I want as a, you know, applying for all of these positions, what are some other avenues? A, I can try and get a job here in America, here for a global company, potentially here even in Indianapolis. Sure. Yeah. And then in the interview say, listen, this is my goal and my dream is to get over there and to live. So is it possible to work towards that transfer? That's an option. I started looking at getting a job in New York for, for a, you know, a global company, one of those on, you know, on the stock market, whatever it may be. Cause right. I'm sure people who have offices in New York have offices in London, England, for sure. yeah. right. And probably in Shanghai and yeah, yeah. all of these other major cities in the world. So it almost would be just, all right, where do I want to work at that point? So, and then there, there were other possibilities and the one that I thought about most, and I think the one that I'm most excited about the one that I haven't felt anything like the passion that I feel for this project is starting my own coffee shop there. Very cool. Now we're still struggling with the entrepreneurship visa, right? right. How do I start something and get around that entrepreneurship visa? Honestly, I have no idea if this should <laughs> even be broadcasted. <laughs> That's probably right. Um, but, but how do I get around that? And it's, well, let's bring in someone who can be the legal owner of the shop. I and, see. and so they are the legal owner. And then I come in basically as another co-owner or the operations dude. And, you know, I'm calling the shots and then I just apply as a skilled worker. And oh, I see. And that Makes way, sense. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of a, a workaround, right. but certainly from what I've heard, doable. Well, you can always go there and open the, uh, the London sit with me office and figure out how to get the app working over there. Dude, if you 
if I you mean, want to, this I, thing's gonna be worldwide, buddy. So uh, there's no reason why that. Uh, there's no. There's really no like. There's no work in the system in that. I mean, it's it's the God's honest truth, you know. Well, I mean, I'm gonna. So I just over um, the Christmas holiday booked a trip over there for this summer. There you go. All right. And I actually wanted to talk to you about this. Is you know maybe figuring out a way where we can work together on that trip. I like um, it. I'm going to be over there for two and a half weeks. And, you know, some remember some of those friends that I was telling you about yeah. that I met? Yeah, we're going on a road trip around the UK. There you go. Nice. Um, so for a whole week, we're traveling around, going up into Scotland, hiking Ben Nevis uh, there in Very the Highlands cool. yeah. and um, going into Edinburgh, uh, Scotland. So, you know, there's a lot of potential for sit with me yeah. um, around the UK. I, I love it, man. I, you know, and we don't have to dive into that rabbit hole now, but I think that's <laughs> right. a great idea. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent down with that. And we can kind of figure out the marketing strategy around, that, especially this summer as things will get rolling here a little bit more. I'll yeah. have my, you know, I'll have a couple of ad programs that I'm working on rolling and, uh, cool. It, it's, you know, my dream is for that thing to be worldwide. So if there's a way for me to, you know, help give you a boost to realize your dream as well, man, I'm a hundred percent down on that, man. It's Thank a, you. That's, that sounds like uh, a lot of fun. So, um, but the, I want to get back to the coffee shop, the yeah. pizza shop, the, the combo, like yeah. tell me a little bit about what, what you, what you envision. Yeah. So when I first came on board at Georgia Street Grind, which is my coffee shop, yep. not my coffee shop, the coffee shop I work at. Yeah. yeah. I, Indianapolis, Indiana on Georgia Street. Come check it out. Yeah. Coffee's amazing. Probably some of the best coffee I've ever had. I mean, I was a hundred percent. I was a regular there for eight months before I started well, you, working. Finally, you're like, like, I better just start working here because yeah, I was spending way too I much. I need a discount on the coffee. One hundred percent. So, um, so when I first came on board, my manager, he, he asked me a what seemed to be a simple question, but it very much is a loaded question. It's if you were to start your ideal coffee shop or if you were to design your ideal coffee shop, what would that look like? Nice. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And, Fun question. And I was like, holy crap. How do I even answer that? So... I started thinking about it and I, I told him, I was like, give me two weeks. No way. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. And he was like, all right, two weeks is yours. And I saw him put in his phone, like a reminder for two weeks, you know, ask Andrew about his coffee shop. Right. And he, so two weeks passes and you know, I spend that time just really diving into truly what I think the, what coffee is, you know, if what the, the connotations around it are and the, the, the things that happen over coffee and what I want my shop to represent. And it became more and more of this community aspect of encouraging people to be there, not just to get an amazing cup of coffee, which I'm sure we will have. Right. But to sit down and very similar to uh, the pub in England in Oxford called the Eagle and Child, which I just heard a couple uh, weeks ago has permanently closed. I mean, that's the place that wow. um, that C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien sat and discussed their works, debated over the Chronicles of Narnia, the Lord of the Rings, right? Wow, super um, cool, yeah. They 
Um, sad, man. So sad. Um, they closed, but I want to have that same reputation that, that I provide a space that encourages that kind of, of conversation, of community, of this almost strong brother and sisterhood bond uh, to the people that, that work there and, and patron there. Awesome. And, and so how do I do that? It can't just be coffee. If I just serve a cup of coffee there, it's only a coffee shop. Right. Right. So how do I encourage people to be there for more than just that? Well, having kind of a, a library. Okay. Um, like a, a public library where I, you know, it's one of those, uh, like you, you bring one, you take one type thing. Yeah, yeah. It's just cool. like this revolving door of, of books and, and b- encouraging people, you know, to annotate and to, um, and, and to, to work with this, with this stuff. <clears throat> and, and then having a whole bunch of events, um, you know, bringing people together and may it be a, know a small concert series so having a small stage there where you get to uh, where you get to come together as a group of people and really enjoy being there for one specific cause you know like NPR has these tiny desk concerts yeah so having something similar um, and as I'm trying to think through what I want this to be like I know that people need to be there for long periods of time Obviously, there are going to be tons of people who come, get their coffee, and go, and that's fine. Sure. But having that opportunity for people to be there longer. So I need comfortable chairs and and an environment that's welcoming and homey. Yeah. Where does that fit? I start thinking stateside because that's where I am. That's, That's where all of my, really where all my connections are. Indianapolis for hell isn't (laughs) Um, unless there are very, very small pockets, maybe like one corner of, of the entire city. And even then I'm in direct competition with a whole bunch of different people and places. And, and then I start thinking, all right, well outside of there, where might it be? Well, Boulder, Colorado might be all right. Yeah. Um, Madison, Wisconsin, Boston, Massachusetts, but if yeah. I'm traveling already to start this thing, why not be where I want to be? Yeah, just go rip the Band-Aid off and get where you want to be. Yeah, exactly. I love it. So then I start thinking in England. Well, London is, you know, an amazing city, someplace that I'd love being. But London's a fast city. I don't know how many people want to sit and be for a while in London. There are certainly maybe some neighborhoods there, very similarly to like a Fountain Square here right. in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. which our other coffee shop, Bovaconti Coffee, is there. Nice. Um, so I'm hanging out there maybe two days a week as well to a couple days at, at Georgia Street. But, um, you know, maybe more of the, the hipster areas of London. I love it. Um, that could work. What do you think about adding a couple of these and a little recorder in your coffee shop? Like, you know, 
uh, it'd be kind of fun to have some mics and people could get in there and read and talk, talk and, and, you know, chop it up a little bit. And they're like, you know what, this is like we were talking about earlier. It's a great conversation that you and your roommate have all the time. And you, yeah. know, you guys, so many people have said, oh, I want to start a podcast or I want to get, you know, get some of my thoughts on, uh, recorded and, you know, maybe you have a little, uh, quiet room there with a couple of mics and people can bring their own SD card and pop it in. And that'd be so cool. I hadn't thought about that. Uh, and then take it with them or find a way to work it in where you make the, you know, the pod out of there and, and, uh, you can give them a copy if they want to take it, but they yeah. record it and lay it down and you can decide what, what hits the air and what doesn't weekly thoughts from the shop. <laughs> That sounds amazing. You yeah, know, it you really could, does. You have some, uh, you know, just have your best customers, your regulars, your favorite people in there. You yeah. Know, and sometimes you sit with them. Sometimes they just, you know, reserve it for 30 minutes to an hour and yeah, have a have a coffee shop slash podcast studio. Dude, that'd be dope. There you go. Um, but um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm still thinking through this and as I'm. I'm really working through this, you know, with some of my friends in England too. And they say London is possible, but it'd be tough and rent is super high right. because it's forking London. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I'm like, all right, well, what about Oxford? Here you go. Oxford already has that reputation. get it if you got to no i'm good keep rolling oxford already has that reputation yeah. of of debate and as i said you know lewis and tolkien were there very and cool yeah so i wouldn't have to struggle to find the right people i mean the people who go to school there and teach there are some of the best and brightest in the world so that'd be pretty cool it'd be amazing That's um like so and Oxford already has almost like this uh, this aesthetic as well of you know, like a little bit dark, but certainly homey, right? Yeah. And I was like, Oxford is it. That's cool. As I'm starting to think through, you know, like, well, I want to, I want to show that I'm here in my branding. I want to show that this this is who I am. This is what the shop is. And, you know, I'm not just another American coming in to try and start something in, in Europe. No, I, I want to say I respect and I love who you are. And I just want to engage with that. Right. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I want, so as I'm thinking through, you know, I struggled so hard with the name of what I wanted it to be. And I thought probably for a solid three weeks of, of different names, I have pages of, awesome, of notes, yeah. but then also at times there were just blanks. I, I was just sitting there and I came up with nothing. It's such a hard process to go through. If you haven't been through it, I hate it. Yeah. I really hate it. But, but then I was, in the middle of my shift at Georgia street and I was thinking through and I was just building a drink and it was so obvious and that I, I almost hated myself for not thinking of it yeah, earlier. Sooner, yeah. Yeah. And it, it is the ox. 
Nice. The yeah. Ox Coffee and Pizza Pub. That's amazing. It fits perfectly. Yeah, it, it's that hominess. It's that darkness. It, it's that you know hardiness yeah. of of coffee of pizza, which I don't think I've mentioned yet. Pe- the the meals that have been most influential in my life have been the ones that are easy enough to eat, but have that artisan factor. Yeah, and really, all have been pizza. That's awesome. Yeah. And then being able to be open into the evening hours and and having having that um that pub atmosphere Mm -hmm. not necessarily a bar but a pub where you're able to have a drink or two and then go on your night and yeah that i love it man like you know you said the name the ox and the you know all of a sudden the picture hit my head yeah exactly what this place looks like with the books and the and the cool you know lounge furniture and you know a coffee bar slash regular bar and maybe a little podcast studio tucked in the corner you never know right but you know it just it's funny when you say that and you paint that picture you know i see it i see the vision and it's cool that you you're able to do that you're able to paint that for people and you know i'm ready to go hang out there right now thanks man Yeah. yeah and i think one of the the coolest things is really what we serve it's not it's not just food, it's not just an atmosphere, but it's all of it together, right? And allowing it to be a haven for people like myself with the dietary restrictions that I have, which is celiac disease, Mm -hmm. where I cannot eat any single crumb of gluten for the rest of my life or else, you know, I basically die. Unbelievable. Um, So the entire place would be gluten-free, gluten-free pizza, um, you know, gluten-free local brews, ciders, you know, beers. And the only thing, like the thing that I've struggled with is like, all right, there probably aren't too many gluten-free beers around. Then we'll have, you know, some bottled or canned couple of things here and there, yeah. beers, right? But that's the only thing it's bottled and brought in. Yeah. Um, no free flowing death juice in my restaurant, right? (laughs) Makes sense. Um, so it allows for safety and because especially cross contamination of pizza is super easy. Okay. Cause that flour gets in the air and it stays in the air for upwards to 48 hours. Oh my goodness. And it settles on everything. So, wow. So even just a small layering of that flour that gets in the air can, you know, crush me yeah. and crush so my insides. Option. Can't no. even entertain it. Right. Yeah. So, so having that gluten-free option and really the only option, but it's going to be some of the best pizza you'll ever have. Yeah. Like you wouldn't even know just, at the end of the day, if, as long as it's made well and, and exactly. Know, yeah. Not necessarily know. advertising as a restaurant that's gluten-free. It just so happens that it, is. it is. Yeah. You know, that's in the world that we live in today. That's the way it has to be. Yeah. It, it not necessarily is a problem that way, but you know, it, it is what it is. Right. Um, but I love it, man. I think it's, I think it's amazing idea. Uh, it's cool to see you on your grind for it already, you know, putting, putting things down on paper, you know, visualizing it, starting to, to, uh, climb the ladder to, to get yourself there. I think that's I think that's pretty amazing. I'm excited for you, man. Thank you. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. It's uh 
it's been cool to sit down and chat with you. And I, I, you know, you're one of the, uh, one of the people I look forward to seeing every day, you know, when I bump into you at the coffee shop and, uh, I've been, um, I've just been wanting to talk to you and hear more about your story and, and share this with some folks so other people can hear about, um, how cool you are and what a good person you are. And, um, you know, just your positive attitude and outlook, man. I, th I think it's, um, I think it's really special. It's cool that you're able to share that in an environment like a, a coffee shop and you have these goals to, to, um, take it to a bigger scale. Thank you. Happy I appreciate course, it. Man. Yeah. It's been fun. Uh, listen, everybody's out there listening, go see Andrew. Um, at the Georgia Street Grind in Bova Conti, right? You're going to be yeah. bouncing back and forth between the two. Yeah. Um, he's on the Sit With Me app, so you can look there and see uh, where he's working, when he's working. You can come come say hey. He'll brighten your day like he does mine. Um, and he's uh, pretty cool at filmmaking and documentaries and things like that. So if you got a if you got something, if you're a small business out there, you need some help, right? If uh, making a video, whether a marketing piece, that sort of thing, they can reach out to you as well, right? Yeah. Uh, so my website is winelymedia.com, W-I-N-E-L-Y media.com. Very cool. And you're on Instagram, that sort of thing too. Yep. Right? Winely Media, Andrew J. Winely. Right. Um, so I, you know, obviously I'm a person, so I have my own personal account. Right. Um, and then I also have my business account. Um, business is still, um, I don't do a lot with it because yeah. I'm doing a lot for other people. That's cool. But... Um, you know, I, I'm checking it. I'm on it. So, well, this, you know, it's, uh, the quality of what, you know, what I've, uh, seen, uh, you can create is, is pretty impressive, man. I, I don't know what I was expecting, but, uh, it was super prof professional and really well done. And, uh, and, you know, I've been happy to get to work with you. Thanks bud. Yeah, I appreciate man. it. It was fun talking, dude. Oh man. It's been great. Thank you. Thank you.